Welcome back to School of Science Radio Podcast. I'm Gino Ganello, and we haven't had a podcast since mid-January, but we're back, and um, the season is about to return, and we have some new uh, developments here on uh, School of Science Radio. Um, we got a new co-host for me this uh, as we start this up again, Matthew Chandler. Um, he's been part of uh, Royal Blue Mercy. If you've read any of the articles, uh, you know who he is. He, he's, he's a significant part of this page. Uh, Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, good to be here, Gina. Thank you for agreeing to share this with me. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome to get this going again. And it's awesome to see Everton football, you know, back in our lives. I mean, well, you know, it does cause more stress than, than we would like. But um, just to go over the details of the podcast before we get into anything, um, we're going to do one pod every week. Um, you know, it's going to talk about the Everton game, previous Everton game, any other news about Everton and the week ahead like we have been. Um, we'll try and feature more people from Royal Blue Mercy uh, on here as well as possibly some out, uh, outside people for interviews and whatnot. Um, you know, we're going to try and, and keep this going and, and give you the best content we possibly can. Um, you know, anything you want to add to that, Matthew? Yeah, just uh, it's nice to have football back. <laughs> really nice to have something to talk about. Um, yeah. And yeah, good to get the podcast going again. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's obviously... Listen to it a lot when you did it with Adam and Chris, and um, you know, really enjoyed doing it, listening to it. So it's nice to be a part of it now. Um, hopefully, Evan can <laughs> give us um, you know more positive things to talk about than you had a lot of the time with, with um, Adam and Chris before. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Might have, to, might have to wait longer than next week to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit, but let's talk about you know, what's been happening during this lockdown. Um, I mean, you've already talked about it. I mean, missing football. I mean, obviously all of us, you know, we're pretty invested in Everton and, and even some other, you know, football leagues, the Bundesliga, um, you know, just watching football in general is, is great. So for me personally, it was, you know, missing sports in general is a tough thing. But missing missing football football was tough because it's you know a huge part of my life and how I do, um, you know how, how I go about my you know my weeks. And Matthew being over over there and and obviously you go to a lot of games. How's this mm -hmm. missing football? How's no football been for you? It was it was hard at first because you kind of you feel like you're going through withdrawal, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like, and also I think it's kind of a big part of like my weekend routines and things like that. Um, but I don't know. I think we got you kind of got used to not having it. I mean, it's been three months now since well, three just over three months since Everton last played, which you know is kind of like the same time distance between the end of one season and the start of the next one. Um, I think to be honest, because I go, because I'm a season ticket holder and I go to a lot of games. I think it's more like the social aspect of it. I miss, like I was talking to my cousin about this a while ago, who I go to a lot of the games with, and he recently said, like, as much as we miss like having football on the telly or going to the matches or whatever to watch the football, it's also just like the fact that we get to see each other like through going to these games or you know. Uh, Going to the pub or whatever with with your mates and watching whatever football is on telly, um, and yeah, I mean it's kind of football for me is kind of like as much a social event as it is like watching a match, and that's kind of um, been like the hardest thing I think. But you know, it's um, yeah, it kind of we have, I mean we still had a lot of things to write about, I think, haven't we, on the site, and um, kind of found other things to occupy your time with um, while this has been going on. But, um, yeah, it'll be nice to have it back, I think, eventually. <laughs> yeah, like you said, maybe not maybe not this week, but eventually we'll be, we'll be appreciating it. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's the same thing you mentioned, going to games. Uh, obviously, over here in America, I can't go to any yeah. games. Um, but it's the same thing for me going to, you know, a baseball game or, or an American football game. It's a social, it's a social event, not being able to go to those things, you know, 
I was scheduled. I was ready to go to opening day for the Yankees over here in America. Um, that obviously got canceled. So, um, you know, a lot of social things and that's, you know, a huge part of sports. It's not just going to the game. It's, it's, you know, meeting up with friends and stuff like that. But, um, you know, COVID-19 other than football, how is that, how has it affected you? So it's probably, probably got a healthier lifestyle now <laughs> without this time. Um, because obviously, like going to the match would normally involve like going to the pub before or after or both of the games, um, and you know, sort of eating on the go, whereas kind of more sort of regimented in that way. Uh, doing a lot of exercise, doing a lot of more writing, I think, for the site, kind of filling that time up. Um, just sort of binging series on Netflix. Uh, what series? Kind of, I've been watching um, Parts Unknown, the Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. You know, I've been watching that. That's really cool. I've watched some of the American ones. Um, I watched one he did where he went to Seattle. Uh, that was great. And then I watched one where he went to the Bronx in, yeah. in New York. Um, two kind of different places. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm from the tri-state area, so I know, you know, I know the Bronx, and I was actually in Seattle oh, yeah. last year, so definitely oh, two really? completely different places. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm just trying to get busy, really, just doing whatever, and say, writing, mostly, obviously, because of the site. Without any football to talk about, it's kind of been hard, but, you know, yeah. we've done the sort of on-this-day segments, and... Um, Especially the last few weeks, with obviously the return of the Premier League, has kind of been moving. There's been more things to more things to uh, write about, I guess. Sort of them in like the present day. So, yeah, you know, yeah. On this day has kept kept me pretty busy. Um, you know, haven't been exercising as much as I would have liked to. Kind of just been <laughs> sitting sitting down, yeah. not doing much. Um, playing video games. So you know, every now and then, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I what have you been, been playing? Much. What have you been playing? Uh, a lot of Call of Duty. Oh, okay. Um, I'm playing a lot of Call of Duty. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's a which lot call, of fun. Which, which Call of Duty do you play? The new one, the Warzone one. Okay. Um, I haven't played, what was the last Call of Duty I played? I think it was Modern Warfare 3. I haven't played Call of Duty in ages. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I haven't. I, I don't really play it. Like, I never really played it too much before now, but um, they came out with this Warzone, and it's been pretty good. So, I got, you know, it's been keeping me busy. But other than that, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's lack of exercise. And, you know, but I have been writing more for the site, which I, I was typically more, yeah. you know, videos and podcasts. So it's been enjoyable doing that. And, you know, now, you know, getting into the season again. And, you know, um, before we get into anything with the season, let's talk about Everton's impact during lockdown. Matthew, you and your family have found a – or have had – Everton's had an impact on you and your family personally. Uh, could you just describe that and maybe talk yeah. about what Everton's doing for um, – not only your family, but for families and people um, in Liverpool and and around them to uh, make their lives better during the during the COVID nineteen lockdown. So I would start by saying I think Evan have probably um, sort of dealt with lockdown better than any other Premier League, certainly Premier League team I've seen. I mean, obviously I know more about what Evan have done than other teams, but. Um, you know, for a start, they didn't, they didn't uh, put any staff on furlough, unlike uh, the lot across Stanley Park, which if you don't know is like, um, if you're in America and you don't know, it's like uh, basically the government sort of pay your, your wages for the time being to sort of ease the finances on your company. Yeah. Everton haven't done that. They have um, sort of staff members and players taking uh, wage deferrals and um, uh, reductions of up to fifty percent, which I thought was a really sort of uh, selfless uh, move. After just getting like your shoes, if we were as good on the pitch as we are off the pitch, <laughs> you know, we'd have nothing to worry about, would we? 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they've also launched this Blue Family initiative, um, which has involved things like ringing my my granddad because he's a obviously an elderly citizen, um, just to ask if he needed anything. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, he's my granddad's been fine, obviously, but he's not had COVID or anything. But he's just, you know, I think he appreciated the fact that Evans took the time to ring him anyway. And obviously, uh, fans were asked. Offered, so offered uh, the chances to donate the remainder of the season ticket money to this Blue Family cause, uh, and that raised an amazing amount of money. It raised four hundred thousand, and then Bill Kenwright and uh, Farhad Mashiri then put two hundred thousand each of their own money. So um, to put eight hundred thousand pounds behind this cause is like just it's amazing, really, when you consider like how you know what what a big sort of mess financially uh, the world in at the moment as well um and obviously there's, there's not a lot of income for everton in terms of things like revenue at the moment so yeah i, just, I was really impressed from everton doing that um yeah we just need to sort things out on the pitch now and be fine won't we? yeah no i mean it's it's great seeing you know the club that we support you know obviously on the pitch it's you know, you would love for them to perform well, but, um, you know, as long as they're, you know, doing the right things, the moral things and helping people out, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it eases that blow a little bit more because you know that they're, the people that work for the club are good people. You know that the people who, who work for the club are not just worried about the club, but worried about the community that surrounds the club. Um, and that's something that, that I think is, is a really big thing from, you know, a professional team. You don't, you don't see that uh, very often, you know, you hear – you know, here and there you hear, um, you know, some things in America, you know, when a natural disaster happens or something like that, people, people are, you know, supporting um, or teams are supporting their communities. But I feel like Everton's always doing it. I feel like Everton's always um, trying to do their best to help the community around them. And that's, you know, it's one of the many reasons why we love the club so much. Yeah, I think it's just like, it's just another reason to be proud to be an Everton, isn't it? And yeah, proud of, of the work we do off the pitch. Um, we've got a great chief executive as well, and he's Barry Baxendale. I think I think she's sort of handled. She really, I think, the emails that you get or the letters that she writes to fans. I think you know a lot of when we lose games and things like that. I think a lot of people are quick to criticise, like the board or people behind the board. And they don't get obviously no one gets everything right, but I think. Just nice to see, like a sense of, I guess, like humanity. And, you know, such a big business and such a, like a, a world where people say like fans or whatever, like an afterthought. It's nice to see that yeah, we don't act like that. Actually, have some consideration for. You know, they don't just think of fans as like customers, basically, which I think is yeah a really sort of admirable attitude, which more clubs should take really and don't now. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, so, um, yeah, go go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, moving on to, uh, you know, kind of what we're talking about as we get the season started now. Let's, before we get into the Premier League actually starting up, Everton have had some things going on uh, on the business end of things, some, some stories coming out. And, um, you know, before we get into anything involving uh, the kit, let's talk about the players who will be wearing the kit. Um Baines, Leighton Baines, uh, he's offered a new year, a new one-year deal on uh, June third. Uh, he hasn't; it's not; it's not to be. It hasn't been revealed whether he's accepted or not. Um, but he will be thirty-six in December next season. Would be his fourteenth at Everton. Um, he hasn't played that much this season. Um, obviously, um, the question becomes: Is this a deserved um, new one-year deal? And um, you know, maybe we'll get into some of the other players who could be offered one-year deals. Um, I mean, my personal opinion is, you know, we have a list here of players. I think Baines, if any, is, is probably the most deserving of, of getting a new one-year deal, don't you think? Um, of the players out of contract, yeah, I would, I would say definitely. I mean, um, I think Baines has been – Quite unfortunate not to play more, to be honest, this season. Because I think I mean, he's only played six games, and I, you know, I think of the goal against Leicester in the last minute from what, 25 yards or whatever. 
yeah. uh, to equalise. Um, his performance in the draw with uh, Manchester United sticks out. In fact, both games against United are going to be very good. I think he got the assist in one. Um, so, um, no, he's not the player that he was like five, six years ago. But, you know, he's 36, he's, or he's 35, he's not going to be. You know, um, I, yeah, I would give him another year. Um, I would like, I would like to see him play more than not. I think um, in the main. And but what I would say is, I think Everton need to start looking like now at who is like a long-term option at left back after being. So whether that be someone in the youth team or someone to sort of challenge. Lucas Dean, because what I don't want us to do is kind of just, to, you know, when we eventually part with Baines, you know, I want that to already be like a ready-made replacement for Baines. I think that's one of the problems we've done the last few years. Think of like Idrissa Gay leaving last summer. There's no obvious replacement until we brought Gobamin in like a week later. And obviously that's been a complete disaster. <laughs> um, I think we need to buy like a year ahead, I think. So as long as Everton know like their strategy sort of longer term than just next season. Um yeah. I mean you might Baines might get off for another year next year. So <laughs> I mean defensively plays. But I think he's had a, I think he's played really well this season when he's played. I know it's not much, but yeah, I I would certainly I've been happy for Baines to stay. The other the other three, obviously, um Kuka Martina, Martin Stecklenburg. Umanias. I think Stecklenburg will get an extension just because just until the end of this season because obviously his contract is out on June 30th. Season doesn't end until the end of July. I think Everton have said they'll offer him like an ex- a month extension or however long on his deal, which is kind of understandable, I guess, because he's our second choice goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep any of them any longer than the end of the season. And I don't think they will, to be fair. I mean, Martina has hardly played. Nias has hardly played. Steckenberg, I don't think he's played in, in two years or something like that. Certainly, he's not yeah. played a league game since Pickford joined, and that was nearly three years ago. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we can safely say that they'll be leaving. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, we've talked, I feel like we talk about Martina and Nias leaving every every single off season purely out of hope rather than, than uh, you know, actual belief that they would leave. Um, you know, yeah. they haven't played that much. And, and, you know, it's time we get rid of some of this dead weight that we have from, from past managers. And we start, like you said, you know, we got a plan for the future. I think that's, that's one thing that Everton does not do well. Like you said, it's, it's more of a, you know, if we have a hole, we should, we'll fill it. But if we don't, you know, yeah, we don't we don't feel the need to. I mean, granted, this club has had a hole in multiple positions every offseason for years, but um, you know, it and it's difficult because uh, it's hard to hold on to some players. But um, you know, I think they got to start thinking ahead, have a plan. I think we we always talk about it in the in the Slack chat. You know, it'd be nice to see that Everton have a plan, have a five year plan. You know, where they you know have an idea of which direction they want to head. Um, and I think we've started to see that a little bit more with brands. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, also, I think obviously a lot of the signs are sort of a, of a good age, like Richarlison. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moise Keane, obviously, hopefully will sort of find form eventually. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he needs. I think he needs some time. Um, obviously, he's yeah. given some playing time, but um, you know, adapting to a new league, you never know. I mean. I don't know. Right now, Calvert Lewin's playing playing pretty well, but um, I would yeah. like to see Moise Keane kind of develop into something. Give him, whether it be coming off the bench to give him a rest, or, or you know, playing out on that wing if they need to. Something, something to uh, you know, kind of complement his game because his his raw skill is is unbelievable. It's just about getting it to uh, you know, kind of refining it to to a place where he can be consistent. Mm. But I think with the obviously the problem with shifting some of these uh, like the deadwood players um, is obviously well 
one, you've got to have like a, a buyer or a potential yeah. buyer. Yeah. And, you know, especially if they're not playing, it's kind of hard to attract people to players like Martina or Nias. Yeah. Um, and then two, obviously, if they're on a on a good wage, which I imagine, <laughs> I imagine they are, both of them, um, you know, maybe probably kind of drain them of sort of enthusiasm to to leave, maybe, or to play. So, I mean, that's kind of cynical because you know to say they're just mercenaries or whatever, but you know, it's a short career, isn't it? So. Yeah, no, absolutely. obviously both both contracts are up, so yeah. why Everton would offer either of them a new deal when they barely played, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, second, I, second yeah, I uh, mean, I, I don't see, uh, with Keane, I don't see Nias getting, getting any time, and, and you would hope that, um, you know, and we'll get into the right-back situation and kind of the, the outside, we've already talked a little bit about the outside-back situations, and obviously left-back seems like it's pretty locked up, um, but Martina probably doesn't have a role at right back either, and, and he, like, no. it's it's it would be silly to see them them offer him a contract. But getting into the right back situation, obviously Seamus Coleman still with the club, but um, uh, Sidibe, Jabril Sidibe is uh, his loan will end at the end of the whenever the season um, finishes up. Uh, there's been rumors about him getting reloaned to Everton next season. I don't, uh, I don't know. It is obviously we have an option to buy for Monaco for 12 to 14 million pounds. Has he, um, you know, performed well enough to earn that? And, you know, maybe we'll get into a little bit more of the other right back options that we have. Um, you know, John Joe Kenny, who's been playing over, uh, over in, in Germany, but let's focus on Sidibe. Has he earned the option to buy or, or or be reloaned even uh, back to Everton. Weird one, Steve, isn't it? Cause yeah, he's been he's been. I think of like the Chelsea the the win over Chelsea with in Duncan Ferguson's first game. He was my man of the match because he was just everywhere and he was just sort of. <laughs> he's quite a fun player to watch, Steve, because he, I don't think even he knows what he's what he's going to do. Um, and that day he just sort of dived into tackles every time, timed them perfectly. Um, you know, I think he got an assist for one of the Charles' goals. But Yeah, I think so. On the flip side of that, I remember the midweek game before that was the Anfield derby, which was Marcus Hilda's last game, when I think Sidibe got substituted before half-time, is that right? Because I think he just he got torn apart. Um, he's such a weird player because he has, you know, he can go from I think he's got like five assists or something this season. He's like a second highest sort of assist creator. He's got, and, he has four on the season in the Premier League right yeah. now. Yeah. And they all came within like, there was the Chelsea game, there's the Leicester game, the Southampton game. There's one of them, they all came there. But then they had that game when we lost to Norwich at home where he got subbed for some reason when we were losing. Because he was just having a complete stinker. And then yeah. the Liverpool game, he got subbed before half time. So it's kind of the two ends of the Sadivi. Spectrum, it's kind of no in between. I mean, he's like a ten out of ten, or is a one out of ten, isn't he? Um, I I wouldn't keep Sidibe. I don't think that's that's a long way of answering. I don't. I wouldn't because I think you can get better value for money. I wouldn't even reloan him to be honest. I'd rather. I'm not sold on John Joe Kenny either. Um, but I would rather see him given the go than Sidibe. If it's between Sidibe and Kenny next year, I'd probably go Sidibe. Oh, sorry, I'd go Kenny, um, because Sidibe's obviously Sidibe's not old, but he's obviously a bit older than a fair bit older than Kenny, and yeah. I don't think there's I don't think there's enough between them to say let's either reloan this fella or spend what's the the the, uh, the buyout clause is something like twelve million. I think like the buyout is, is four, I think it's fourteen. Not entirely sure. It's in that 12 to 14 range. I'm not sure, though. Yeah. Um, I think John Joe Kenny, I think it depends what Schalke want to do with John Joe Kenny as well. Too. I yeah. think that, I read somewhere they want to extend his loan. Um, yeah. I think he's done pretty well over there, hasn't he? I think he scored that great goal last week. He's done all right. I mean, that team is, is Schalke's, you know, they have more than one issue 
uh, going on. Yeah, they're they, 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 terrible they, restart, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're not they're not playing well. So, uh, but he did have that good goal, and I think he's playing well over there. Um, I don't. I mean, it, the question becomes. Um, you know, obviously because of COVID-19 and because of, of the lockdown and the lack of revenue that Everton brought in, obviously it's going to be harder to buy players or bring new players in. Um, yeah. So I think you're right. I think it's between Kenny or Sidi or reloaning Sidibe. I don't think they'll buy Sidibe. Um, I think it's between Kenny and reloaning Sidibe. Um, I think those are really the only two options at, at right back just because – so again, I just think, why would you reloan Sadibi? I mean, you may as well buy him if you're going to keep him. Yeah. And then if you're, not, you're going to, if you just loan him, then it's again, it's like with with what I was saying about Baines. It's like, although I am happy to keep Baines with Sadibi, it's like if you just loan him, kind of you're putting off that problem at right back for another year. Yeah. Seamus yeah. had a pretty up and down season, and is is 30, 31. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he. I mean, he, he's definitely lost a step. That's for sure. I would rather. I'd rather go all out for. I don't know someone like Max Aaron's at Norwich. I think it's a really exciting looking player. Um, well, I'd I, rather I, just, not like we did with Dean, where we just we we just nailed down a starting yeah. left back. No, yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right because I, I don't think in the long term I don't think that either Sidibe yeah. or Kenny is the answer to the replacement. No. Like there's got we got to bring somebody else in. It's just a matter of, of will we be able to? Um, I mean, obviously, I think I think if you ask any, um, you know, every, any Everton fan, Aaron's would be you know a great addition to the club, and you know, it, it, we could start that transition with Coleman like we did with Baines and Dinny like Dinya. It's uh, yeah, get that get that transition started. We need to bring those players into the club, um, but it, it's. It'll be an interesting situation to keep an eye on as we get into the off season and get into the transfer window. Um, I think it's probably one of the most interesting positions for Everton as we head into head into that uh, head in that off season. But um, one of the other players we need we uh, we should look at is Morgan Schneiderlin, who you know he's been on the club for a while now, gets a game every now and then, but it seems like he's set for a move uh, to Nice. Um, it's been reported that. Um, that Everton have agreed of a fee of, of two million euros plus bonuses. Um, it, it feels like uh, Schneiderlin's Schneiderman, been on the club forever, and he, you know, every now and then he'll come in and contribute and and, and have a good game, but was never really the player that I think we expected to get or um, were hoping to get out of him. Uh, what do you think of this move? Um, I, I mean. It's, it's kind of frustrating, Schneider, isn't it? Because when he first joined um, in January for the second half of Cuban's first year, I thought him and Gay worked really well as a partnership. And we had Tom Davies in there as like a midfield three. But I don't know, so ever since his first full season, he's just not been the same player, isn't it? I mean, he's just, yeah. he's never been consistent and his, his attitude is kind of questionable sometimes. And you know, if, if if he is on the sort of wages, sort of in the region of a hundred thousand pounds, which is what per week, which is what we sort of are led to believe. Yeah, it's a lot of money to spend on, you know, to pay every week to a thirty-year-old defensive midfielder who is not particularly quick, not particularly committed, not particularly consistent. I imagine he'll be keen on the move as well. Um, to be honest, to go to Nice, um, they probably play more. Nice just had a good season as well, but they leave one. I think they finished fifth. So um, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't dislike Schneiderlin as much as some of the fans do because I think it was a player in there. He does occasionally. He still has like these good games. But that's the problem with yeah. it. It's just occasionally, isn't he? I mean, since Ancelotti came, he's generally been better. Um, but I just think of like the, the, the Derby defeat again where him and Sigurd I mean Gilfie Sigurdsson is another problem next to him <laughs> problem, the problem I think the problem one of the problems with Schneiderlin is he's got no one to play with yeah I mean Gay was in some ways a decent partner for them. they're both they're too similar kind of defensively but at least 
game was a bit more dynamic. And, yeah, it was a bit more active. You know, it allowed Schneiderlin. You know, Schneiderlin's obviously not the fastest player, so no. it allowed Schneiderlin to to play his game a little bit slower while Gay pressed up, um, which I think was you know helpful to Schneiderlin. But you're right. It, it, the problem with a lot of the players that we have is that they're just not consistent enough. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it with Sidibe and, and how he just hasn't been consistent mm-hmm. enough. And Schneiderlin in his career hasn't been consistent enough either. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people did get down on him. I'm with you. I was one of the people who thought, you know, he had it in him. And, and um, you know, he had his great games that, he, you know, there was a couple games where he played so well that he probably helped us significantly in a win. Um, yeah. It's just a shame that it, it turned out the way it did and he wasn't consistent enough. But, um, you know, it's tough. And I think we're going to start. There are, are players that I would sell, I'd rather sell like before Schneidler. Yeah, no, but I think so too. I think so. if someone is in for him and he's out of contract next season anyway, at the end of next season. So, yeah. uh, two million euros is not a great I think I've, I saw Evan was sort of hoping for more in the region of like seven million. Yeah, which much, you know, a really good deal I think for Evan. But I think they kind of just got to take what they can get. Really, I think. Yeah, I don't think Schneider will be a massive miss. No, if, if he goes, it's not definitely will go, of course. But what I would say is, um, I believe, obviously, League One, League One has finished uh, because of coronavirus. Yeah, so they cancelled League. I believe the the transfer window in France is open for like French clubs uh, buying players of other French clubs. Yeah. So I would imagine Schneidlin wouldn't move. Say the move goes through like next week, I'd imagine Schneidlin can't actually like uh, officially move until the end of the Premier League season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I would say is I wouldn't play Schneidlin again after. The move's gone through. Say the move goes through next week, wouldn't play him again because there's no point. I just, there's no point relying on players who you know, have no. I mean, that would be definitely have no future in his case, but or who evidently have no future, especially now. I mean, season is kind of done. I mean, we've got an outside chance of Europe, but not much. No, there'd yeah. be no, there'd be no. Um, It'd be quite. I mean, it's quite a sterile environment, but also I think it might help maybe young players. The fact that there's no fans in a way because of the the sort of the pressure that see people like Tom Davies get put on by fans, for example. Yeah, I think I, think, I would. I would rather bring some of these kids in than give people like Snyderlin. Yep. Another go, you know, especially if you're leaving. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think you know we've got to see how these kids are. I, I think give give Ancelotti an idea of you know, what he needs to bring in and what him and brands need to work on, um, you know, and, and mm. hopefully they, you know, the kids kind of give him an idea of, you know, what positions are coming up through the system and, and what positions we need to buy young at. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Before we get into the Premier League actually returning, a couple, um, you know, business news, um, kit news. Got a new shirt sponsor and a new shirt manufacturer. Let's start with the, the manufacturer, Hummel. Um, they'll be taking over Umbro's place as the designer for next season. Um, it's a three-year contract, um, estimated to be worth anywhere between 8 million and 10 million pounds per season. Um, about double the value that they had with Umbro. What do you think of this move, Matthew? Um, well, a step forward. I mean, it's still, it's still kind of dwarfed by, you know, like sort of the so-called big six and their kit deals. But I, I like the fact as well that quite like the fact that Evan hasn't just gone down the sort of mainstream kit manufacturer route. Um, I think of like when we had when our kits were made by Nike or Nike, obviously quite sort of generic designs because they're obviously such a big company. They have, probably have like higher priorities than Evan's kit. I would imagine Evan Evan will be sort of Hummel's top priority in that regard. Yeah. Which will mean maybe sort of a more unique kit design, or just just taking more time. I mean, kit designs are not like a massive deal for me, but I think it's not. It would, you know, it'd be nice to see some sort of originality, I guess. Or, um, and you know, double the value of the deal with Umbro. So, from a sort of 
from a financial point of view, you can't really complain. No. Yeah, no, not not at all. And 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 you're right. I mean, with the Nike and the the Adidas jerseys, they all look pretty generic. They're all pretty much the same. And I, and I like the idea of a different type of jersey. Um, you know, obviously, it's not the the money that you're going to get from that that the big six get, but uh, no. um, you know, it's it's a good deal. And I you know, I think that they can do a good job with the jersey and and put out some pretty cool ones. Um, the name on the front of the jersey, other than Everton will be different as well this season. Obviously, Sport, Sport Pesa has been um, Everton's shirt sponsor for, um, you know, the training and playing kits uh, for the past few years. But now, uh, after um, Everton, Everton split with Sport Pesa, looks like, uh, I think it's Kazoo. Is that, I'm not sure how it's pronounced exactly. Uh, they're going to be replacing uh, Sport Pesa. It's a multi-year deal. They're an online um, British company, an online car retailer. Um, I think it's a pretty cool, I mean, at least from, from the logo and stuff, it looks like it looked nice on the shirt. Um, what do you think about this move? And, and, you know, um, Everton bringing in Kazoo as, as one of their, as their main shirt sponsor. Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's good. I'm glad we got rid of I'm glad we're not with Sport Pacer anymore. Yeah. I don't think there was, a lot, there was a lot of money in that. And I don't think they were particularly good for him. I remember once we got beat by... I don't know if they have some other deal with Arsenal. I remember we got battered by Arsenal and they sort of t- tweeted some sort of very complimentary thing about Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I quite like the fact that we have, we don't, we're not sponsored by like, either a gambling or a, an alcohol company. Like Obviously, we had Chandler. We had Chang before Sport Pacer, so going back about 16, 17, 18 years since we last weren't sponsored by either of those two sort of industries. Um, I mean, we don't really know how much money is in it for Evan or how much sort of financially beneficial this will be. But, I mean, yeah, there's not much to say about it really, is there? Yeah, yeah. No, no, not not much. You know, what, just say. You know, do you know what a kazoo is? I I mean I know what like uh, I think it's like a some sort of instrument. Yeah, you kind of you blow into it. and It sounds like yeah. He's buzzing. It's like a horrible sounding. <laughs> well, I used to have it primary school, but there's not much to say on, on this on this. Deal. I mean, it's you know, it's a shirt sponsored deal. We're happy to be away from from the alcohol and you know the alcohol and, and gambling industries and you know it's it's you know it's a sure it's sponsored deal so not not too much uh, you know well I say, you know, there. last time Everton were like legitimately good um, we were sponsored by Hafnir who are a Danish tinned meat company so we. <laughs> It'll certainly get weirder and be better. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right, let's get into the fun stuff now. Let's talk about the return to the Premier League um, and kind of what it means for Everton or how things are going to play out for Everton. Uh, you know, just to go over some of the details, every game is going to be televised on um, – every uh, televised in the UK, uh, plays played behind closed doors. Um you can now name nine substitutes instead of seven and use five sub- substitutes instead of three for the remainder of 2019 and 2020 only. Um, in America as well, I believe all the games will be televised, at least in the beginning, um, according to uh, NBC Sports. Um, mm. In Everton's case, the Merseyside Derby, um, June 21st, Sunday, was agreed to be played at Goodison um, as opposed to a neutral venue, which was talked about. Um, there were initial concerns that at Liverpool, Liverpool um, if Liverpool win the title that night, God forbid, um, <laughs> um, and, you know, that's if Man City were to lose to Arsenal. Um, yeah. There were concerns about the, the crowd and, and obviously, you know, problems with COVID-19, but um, I, it seems that they've agreed to play the, the game at Goodison, which, you know, is, mm-hmm. it's not like there's much of a home field advantage. Um, no. No fans, but uh, – it's better than traveling to a neutral site, I guess you could say. Um, it's just the integrity of it as well, isn't it? Yeah, think, yeah. We played Liverpool Anfield. Yeah. And, and also, I think it's worth pointing out, neither Evan or Liverpool or Liverpool City Council had a problem with this in the first place. Yeah. Like, no. 
head of sporting police or something like that had um, was the one who thought might be high risk. But you've just got to trust people, haven't you? I mean, yes, there might be some, but there might also be policemen outside the ground keeping keeping yeah. watch or whatever. So um, I don't think people are going to be that stupid. I would hope. I would hope so. Anyway. <laughs> you you would hope so, but then you see pictures from like the Turkish league where fans are standing on top of stadiums oh, yeah. to watch their teams or wherever that league was. That was Porto, wasn't it? Was that Porto? Yes, Porto. Yes, yeah, yeah. the Portuguese league. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I could have some people are just. Some people are crazy. Some people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's being, uh, just in, in terms of COVID-19, obviously they've had to do testing. There's been seven rounds of testing, and only 14 have tested positive out of the, you know, about 7,500 in the Premier League, uh, pot or possible 7,500 um, in the Premier League. Obviously a good sign, you would think, right? Um, yeah. 14's a pretty low number. I mean, you're never going to get zero. So, yeah. I mean, um... <sighs> And you just got to be sensible, going on. You just you know the players, whoever it is, self-isolating for seven days, fourteen days. Is it? Um, but I'd also say that I imagine footballers are kind of um, football, footballers themselves are probably like not as at risk as other people, as others potentially, just because you know very fit and sort of in that age bracket where it hasn't seemed to. Um, you know, um, cause as much of an issue for people as say the older people in society. So um, you just got to hope that there, there isn't like a, a sort of a hitch when this happens that sort of means the season has to be curtailed again. Yeah, um, no, it's obviously the biggest but, question. But I mean. There's certainly, you know, I don't see how the Premier League could have made it any safer, to be honest. I mean, all the stadiums are sort of biosecure stadiums. They're obviously doing a lot of testing. They're giving out very sort of stringent protocols about getting to and from stadiums for the players and that. So, yeah, I think just by the way, just going back to the, the uh, sort of the television stuff, I always find it weird. Well, I always wonder what Americans must think, knowing that they can watch. I mean, you guys can watch pretty much every game. Yeah. Whenever. <laughs> and you're you're on a different continent to us, and yet we can only watch like four or five games a weekend, and the rest is off. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's it, it, it's <laughs> crazy to me that that's that's how it works. Uh, you know, I was surprised when I first found that out too. I was like, over in America, we got deals here. We're watching everything, whether it's I watch Everton every week because I, yeah. if it's on TV or not, I can stream it. Um, yeah. And you guys have, you know, Amazon Prime now, right? That is like kind of, you know, getting yeah. more and more games. Um, but I mean, this you in the UK being able to watch all the games, it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big thing. Um, considering, like you said, it's it's not a normal thing, which is, I think, for a lot of Americans, a pretty surprising thing to find out. <laughs> I just wonder when we'll all get sick of it. <laughs> like too much football. Yeah, I mean, we we basically maybe maybe Watford Watford Southampton on the twenty eighth of June. Maybe by then, I'll just like be. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I'm not watching <laughs> if Watford Southampton because because obviously NBC NBC Sports only airs one game at ten o'clock and then they air another one on on like a different channel. But if Watford yeah. Southampton is one of them, I can definitively say that as much as I love football, I will not be watching that. Yeah, I mean the kickoff times. The kickoff times will be alright too. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be, it'll be different. Seven o'clock, six o'clock. That's kind of more manageable than say half twelve or whatever. Yeah. We seem to have a lot of half twelve games this season. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. you guys in the states. Yeah, no, that's um, definitely a tough one. Yeah. Um. One of the things that we could probably take a look at is if we're looking to see how things will possibly play out. We talked about a little bit the Bundesliga. Uh, they've obviously restarted their season. Uh, it's been a few weeks now. Um, in terms of, you know, how things have been without fans, just some, some statistics, uh, you know, to back up how, how things have gone. Home wins have dropped from 
to 19%. Um, that's compared, you know, to before COVID-19 and after. Um, yeah. The goal average has gone down slightly from 3.25 goals per game to, uh, to 3.07. Um, and wins by three goals or more has actually gone up from 24% to 30%. Um, which is which is also a pretty interesting stat. Um, yeah. What can we take from this Bundesliga restart? Um, you know, obviously they have the crowd boys, crowd noise, the cardboard cutouts, the CGI fans. Um, is home advantage now wiped out? What are we? What are you taking from how the Bundesliga has started and how that might um, you know be represented um, in the Premier League? I mean, the home advantage thing doesn't really surprise me. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wonder whether it works against the home teams in some ways because, you know, they're kind of used to have that environment of having the fans behind them, or like the majority of fans, and then without that, it might sort of spur the away teams on. I think you will see some pretty weird results, certainly at first as well. And, you know, the, uh, the sort of thrashings that you see more often in the Bundesliga maybe as well. Um, with have they put have they had crowd noise or cut out fans in, in Bundesliga? Say that again. Have, have, they, have they used crowd? Have they like had like pumped in crowd noise in the American in uh, Bundesliga? Yeah, yeah, they have. They have. They definitely did it for the Bayern Borussia game. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I think they've done it other parts. It's. The problem is that it's like the levels. It's like basically how loud the uh, the, the TV station, you know, makes it. Because in some games you can hear it very faintly in the background. In some games you can hear it like blasting, and it sounds like there's actually a crowd there. Okay. Um, what do you What do you think? Cool of it? That adds the atmosphere. It adds the atmosphere a little bit. Um, do you I, think? I'm not sold. I don't know. I think I don't mind if Everton play like the siren when they come out next week then that's pretty cool. I'm fine with that. But I just, yeah, crowd noise is kind of, I don't know, you'd have to, what would be more appropriate to play for an Everton game? Probably like Benny Hill theme or something like that, wouldn't it? Or, <laughs> um, I um, I don't know about cardboard cutout fans either. Also, I just think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, the point? I mean, they're not there. You can't substitute really for like the real thing, you know what I mean? I don't know. It doesn't even look great on TV, to be quite honest. It's not no. like it really adds to any of the effect or anything like that. Um, and then honestly, I think for me as a fan watching the game with the crowd noise, it makes it feel more like normal. But I can't imagine yeah. it affects the players that much. And you know, I'm sure you know it's probably you know it's, I think it might if you like you know if you need spurring on. Like I think I think of like results this season like. I guess Norwich beating Man City or Watford beating Liverpool. Yeah. You know, would they have happened without the home crowd behind them? No, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the the pumped in crowd noise. Um, I'm not sure maybe, that I'm not sure that helps maybe that not. much. No. Um, um but I also I like I like the fact you can hear footballers. I think that's I do too, yeah, I do too. Quite sort of, you know, a good substitute for no, yeah. uh, atmosphere. Absolutely. Um but yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to kind of form like. No, yeah, absolutely. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how how. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, you know, as the season goes on, it, it's possible that they use the crowd noise. I mean, again, I don't think it really makes too much of a difference. Uh, it doesn't bother me either way. Um, going into Everton specific here before we get uh, before we wrap things up. Everton are in 12th right now. Um, you know, you forget about that, and you, you, you kind of hope and wish that with the three-month break, magically they would have moved up a couple spots. Um, uh, they got nine games left between June 21st and July 26th, um, which is a five-week span. But more importantly, we got to look at uh, the terrible, terrible injury news that we have had <laughs> over the last few weeks since training has started up. Yeri Mina out for most, if not all, of the five weeks with a thigh injury. Um, Jean-Philippe Gabamon, we just may never see again. His contract might run out without him ever playing a game for Everton ever again. Um, Walcott, say again. 
You say again, like we really saw him in the first place. So we didn't really. <laughs> yeah, we saw him for like a game and a half, barely, maybe like ninety minutes of action. Uh, Walcott is set to return to training in four weeks after abdominal sur- uh, surgery. Um, Gomez Gomez is also not training until next week with a minor injury. Schneiderlin still recovering from surgery on a knee injury. Delph missed training this week with a muscle strain. Uh, is are Sigurdsson and Davies the only fit midfielders? Like, what is this midfield going to look like? How are we going to do this? Oh, um. <sighs> do you know the funny thing about Grubaman is that I think we obviously had that good run of clean sheets at the end of last season, and then he played the first two games and he kept two clean sheets. I think we only kept like one clean sheet until Christmas after that. I'm not saying that was all down to him, but you never know. You don't know. I mean, you don't know how different things might have been had he not. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, um, yeah. I um, I think Gomez will be back. I'm I'm fairly confident about that. I don't know about Schneiderlin because he's obviously had that knee injury in February, but it's just the most evident thing ever, isn't it? And also the fact that I haven't seen any other clubs really say that they've they've picked up injuries since returning to training yeah and yet we've had one two three four five six <laughs> hey that's Everton for you that's Everton yeah. for you um I don't know what I'd do for the Derby because obviously we're kind of we're kind of guessing who'll, who'll make it and who'll win yeah I think Tom is kind of nailed on to start because he's like Gilfie Sigurdsson obviously isn't a natural sort of Deep lying central midfielder, yeah. anyway, um, and has had an awful season. Yeah, but it needs most, I guess. I don't know. I don't know whether. Do you think four four two is? We've obviously played four four two pretty much constantly under Ancelotti. Do you? I don't know if you think that's too open to play against Liverpool. Um, it's like the problem is. The midfield is going to – with the midfielders we have fit, the midfield is going to lose the battle. We're going to lose the midfield battle most likely. It's – I mean, yeah. it's all about keeping their outside – I mean, it's trying to push them back on the outsides. I think that's the biggest thing that we have to worry about. I think the center of the field is is probably not going to be an area where we can win um, based on the players that we'll have fit. But I think we, I think the biggest thing about Liverpool is make, keeping them back on the outsides because when Robertson and, and Arnold Alexander get around on the outsides, I mean, they got them coming forward, putting balls in the box, you know, Salah, Firmino, um, Mane. I mean, when they get up and they push forward on the outsides, it's, it's hard to stop. That's like a lot of their, you know, that's a lot of their play. And if you can push them back a little bit, it might help, but. Honestly, I don't. I don't know if there's. I'm gonna be completely honest with you, and we'll get into predictions in a little bit. I'm not sure. Without a crowd, I'm not sure. You know, Everton can beat Liverpool. I don't know. You know, I I don't know how that, especially with the people we have fit and whatnot. It just seems like it's gonna be an uphill task, and and I'm not sure any anything we play will be be an easy or will help us. To victory. I think this is one game where maybe the lack of home ground might make a difference. Yeah. I, I agree with you, like, you know, you're more sort of boxed down at home games, maybe not, but I remember the Derby last season at Goodison, the atmosphere was amazing. I think that, I don't, th- we drew 0-0, obviously, and that kind of was the last time Liverpool dropped points. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't think we would have I don't think we would have got that result. It's hard. I, I don't know who, who plays on the wing as well. That's the other thing. I mean, do you, do you give Moise Keane a go and maybe push with Charlton out wide with Bernard or put Iwobi out there? I think so, that Moise Keane is one of those – I think Keane's one of those options that he has that wow factor. And in a game against Liverpool where you're already down a significant amount of players due to injury – you need somebody, you need people on the field that are going to be able to make a play by themselves. And I think Keane's one of those players that when he's on his game, he can make a play by himself. And he can, you know, he can, you know, uh, create some magic. I think he has the talent to do that. 
Um, it's just on a regular day without, you know, with a fully healthy squad, without crowd noise, I, I think that – I think it's, you know, safe to say, and, and obviously as an Everton fan, you know, it pains you to say this, but I think it's safe to say that Liverpool's talent outweighs Everton's talent on just a, you know, a fully fit day. I oh, think. yeah. And, and, and I think – I think the great equalizer in a lot of the matches that we play Liverpool is the crowd and having mm-hmm. the Goodison crowd on our side and not having that is just, I don't know what's going to help, but I would go with Keane. If we're going to do a four, four, two, I would try Keane and, 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 and Cavaloon uh, up top with, with yeah. Charleston on one wing. I, I think you got to, you know, yeah, Bernard probably on another wing. You gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta put something out there. Somebody, people out there, are gonna be able to make plays on their own because I feel like a lot of time people are gonna be out on an island, and um, you also gotta figure out ways to, you know, take Van Dyke. You know, I mean, I feel like Van Van Dyke is just gonna, gonna travel around with Calvert Lewin, and you gotta find out ways to get him Calvert Lewin off of Van Dyke. Second, I'm yeah, I mean, he was, he was great last season um, in that game against us and has been pretty much the whole this season as well, hasn't he? So I think Calvert Luna will be an interesting sort of match for Van Dyke, though, because obviously he's got the aerial ability. Yeah. Put someone up with it. You don't know, but Liverpool's like their central, the defensive partner for Van Dyke. I mean, obviously, Van Dyke is like one of the best. They're always going to look inferior, but. You know, Matip or Gomez or whoever, I think they are they're very good, but they're not uh, they're not as consistent as and you can get at them a bit more. Yeah, and that's um, what, so I think if you play two strikers, at least you'll yeah you kind of force the central defenders to make decisions. Um, who do you um, who do you go for right back? Do you think? I think it'll go Coleman just because it's a derby and Coleman kind of has that derby game experience and also Sidibe had that terrible game at Anfield and can kind of be hot cold yeah no I think it'd probably be Coleman I mean it's like if Sidibe's on like it's good to play Sidibe you know it's just like like you said it's so oh, yeah. you I think Sidibe at his best is better than Coleman at his best but yeah I don't get, don't get the best of Sidibe often enough yeah, and you can't count on it. And, you know, you don't, I mean, I know we have five substitutes, but I'd like not to use all of them or one of them before, you know, halftime. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be an interesting game to see how they line up. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of um, differences from, you know, when we normally play uh, Liverpool um, at Goodison. But what's your prediction for this? And, and kind of, you know, how do you think this one plays out? I mean, we're kind of we're kind of guessing to a point, aren't we? Because there's been no football yeah. for three months. But yeah. I would, I can't see us stopping Liverpool too well. Yeah. Think, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they'll win the league there because I think Man City should beat Arsenal. But I, I can't see us. <laughs> An empty crowd and the injuries we've got. You know, granted, players like Walcott, Schneider, and Delph might not have started anyway, but there's that, that depth that you can call on. 2 0, I think. 2 1. Two, I'll go 2 1, I think, will score. Because, again, you don't know what state Liverpool are going to be in. They obviously haven't had any games yeah. either. So, um, and obviously, their defence kind of. And again, I know it's three months, so it's kind of. It's not recent form, really, because you're going off something that happened three months ago, but. You know, they didn't. They they kind of they tailed off a bit before suspension in the Liverpool. They had that defeat at Watford, and then they went out of the Champions League. They lost both games, and they took Atletico. So, yeah, um, I think they are the best team. I don't think they're perfect, um, and I think if you can find ways to get out of them, then certainly make more of a game. But I just think they'll have too much for us. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think we, you're right. I think we score a goal, but they're scoring at least two. Um, you know, I just, I, I, without Mina in the middle there, it's going to be a, a, you know, an uphill climb from the very beginning. And 
um, you know, it's going to be hard to stop that, that offense and, or that attack. And it's going to be difficult. We're just without a like you said, without a crowd, without the players we have, whether they would have started or not, it's, it's not an easy challenge. And it, it wouldn't have been an easy challenge fully fit either. Um, so I think, I think it's probably two or three, one, um, unfortunate, but like you said, I think all of us are just praying they don't win the league at Goodison. That would be, uh, I mean, that it wouldn't devastate. That would, that would be really hard to take if they won the league, but just losing to Liverpool wouldn't particularly devastate me just because, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they're the best team in the league. We're kind of pretty average team for the most part. So yeah. No, yeah, I, I feel the same. I always have, I have, I find it easy to stomach losing teams like them and Man City just because there is like an obvious gulf in class between us and them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's only hard, it's only hard to say it's a derby. Like I still, yeah, I don't like losing to them because of our local rivals. But if you ask me, would it hurt more to lose to them or to lose to Norwich the week after? We see Norwich to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I yeah. think you know it's. <laughs> You know, the Norwich is a team we think we can beat, at least. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. think many people are expecting us to beat Liverpool. So, um, final thing here, as we look forward past the Derby for the rest of the season, for the rest of these five weeks, um, what are the aims for the rest of the season for the Everton squad? What are we looking to see out of them um, as they finish up this season? Top off, probably. Yeah, I mean... That middle of the table is so congested, isn't it? It's like a few wins and you can go right off. But we've got some tough games, haven't we? We've got Leicester, Wolves, Tottenham, as well as Liverpool. So um, I think if we finish top half, then kind of have to say we'll fair play us. Yeah. Considering you know, we were 18th and Silva was sacked, so we kind of bottom half when Ancelotti took over. I think Ancelotti's he's done a really good job actually so far. You know, with what he's got and what he's had to work with. Yeah. Um, I think just top half finish would be not great, but from where we were, you can't really complain too much about that kind of. I think I also think I think if I'm kind of I'm kind of skeptical about the Europa League, especially how early we are in like Ancelotti's sort of era. It's not his team, is it, at all, really. So, um, I like the Europa League. I just think, you know, that extra workload, that sort of hefty extra amount of games, especially next season as well, is going to be so much more congested, obviously, because of when it starts and, you know, the late start and probably trying to finish around the same time as usual. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a real... Well, we're going to need a much bigger squad than what we've got at the moment. So, um, yeah, a top half finish, I think I'd be pretty content with. What about you? Where, where, do, you, where do you put the aims at for the rest of the season? Um, no, I agree. I agree. I don't think, you know, I, I think that Ancelotti will probably, especially with the injuries, I think he'll probably try and check out the kids and see, see how yeah. the kids are. And I, I think that, you know, playing the kids, the injuries we have, you know, playing with like basically a makeshift, um, you know, makeshift team. It, it's, there's no way we're going to go out there and win all nine games. You know, it's not, that's just not going to happen. And for us to, I, I think you're right. You know, Europa League with everything that's been happened this year, I think Europa League is just a, you know, I think that would just damage damage it even damage our, our, our progression even more. I, I think it would hurt us rather than help us. And obviously we look for Europe, you know, it gives you money, it, you know, it, it helps you in other ways than just, you know, playing in a, in a competition like that. But um, I think we would be benefit, we would benefit from not playing in the Europa league and, and benefit from just going into next season and playing the games that we have and letting Ancelotti figure this team out and, try and figure out where we go from here. Hopefully we see another uptick from Ancelotti as this season closes and we get into next year. And, you know, by, you know, not next season, but the season after we start to see his effect on this club and, and, you know, how um, dynamic we can be under him, which I think, you know, if given the right players coming in and, you know, the right opportunities presenting itself, I, th I think that Ancelotti 
um, is the right guy to lead us to that next level. Yeah. I would also echo what you said about the young players as well for these last nine games. I think uh, Pete Reynolds from the site did a good piece this week about how we might not have a better chance of nurturing some of these players than these last nine games. Um, and I would agree. I think kind of, kind of, to a point anyway, it's kind of a free hit these last nine games, especially on the circumstances that they're being played in and whatever. Um, so I would like to see, I think players like Anthony Gordon will get more of a chance, hopefully. Maybe uh, Benny Beningamy, Jared Branthwaite maybe, um, centre-back, because obviously Mina's out. And Moise Keane, obviously, we've talked about already, but, <laughs> you know, he needs a, Moise Keane needs a run of games at some point, and I think, yeah, I think as much as I don't want to split with Charles and Calvert Lewin up because they've been, they work really well, and you have to kind of think of well, if you're not using Moise Keane, you know, do you need to get rid of him or yeah. keep him, but then you need to play him more? So, yeah, um, I would like to see him get more opportunities as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's it's a good opportunity for to figure out what these young kids have, and and you know. Like I said, again, it's the same thing as not making Europa League. Getting these kids out there is more beneficial than us playing a bunch of players who we already know what they are. And in in, in a nine-game stretch where largely whether we, you know, unless we go, we lose every single game or unless we win every single game, it's not really going to make a difference in, in where we land in the table, you know, other than, you know, obviously the money and whatnot. Um you know, it's, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. So it's time to figure out what these kids can do and where we need to go from here um, as we approach next season. So, well, that's all we have for today. Uh, Matthew, thank you for joining me. And, uh, you know, this will be the normal thing from now on. It'll be a, yeah. be a good, nice, uh, you know, hour, hour and 15, hour and a half long talk um, about, you know, where this, this team stands. And, and hopefully we start to get some more answers at, <clears throat> excuse me, how this, how this club is going to shape out and, um, you know, what the young players look like. And, you know, hopefully this nine-game stretch is, is beneficial for us. And, uh, um, you know, we can kind of start to figure out where Ancelotti is looking, what he's looking at, and, um, you know, how this team is going to shape up heading into next season. But for now, that's it for us here at School Science Radio Podcast. Um, I'm Gino Ganello. We will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>